You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. This is Ruv English and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company today. I'm at the National Museum of Iceland because I've long been fascinated by a series of rather odd, or they seem odd now, bans, laws, restrictions that were in place in Iceland until about the 1970s, 1980s. There was a period during which the rather odd restrictions which were in place were lifted. And I'm with Helga Volitsen here at the museum, who's going to guide me through the reasons for these weird laws, I guess, these weird bans being in place and the reason for them being lifted. And Helga, I want to start with something that I think a lot of people outside of Iceland think they know about Iceland, which is that beer was banned until just a few decades ago. And it was, wasn't it? Yes, it was banned until the late 80s. Uh, 1989, I think, was the, the, yeah. li- the ban was lifted. Which is an incredible thought, really, isn't it? It's just a little over 30 years. Yes. We'll get into why the ban was in place and why it was lifted, but it was only beer. Spirits weren't banned, and low-strength beer wasn't banned, so people would just mix the two and make their own disgusting-sounding beer, didn't they? It's very disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, uh, originally they all were banned, but the the ban was lifted in, in, like, chapters, so... Uh, first the wine, then the, the spirits, mm. and lastly the beer. Lastly the beer. So this was prohibition? It was prohibition, and it yeah. starts in the early 20th century as part of the prohibition movement all right. over Europe and, and the US. It just gets lifted in a weird way. It's an economic way. We're at one of the exhibits at the museum. We're standing next to some drinking mugs and some drinking cups, and I, I guess what this shows firstly is the importance that beer and ale played in Iceland's deeper history. Drinking is something important. You would drink when you had guests over, uh, traveling from farm to farm. Uh, it was important to drink uh, as part of the law. For instance, when, when you had uh, a wedding, mm. um, you would drink the health of the, the bride and groom, and you would drink the health of the families, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, also, as part of, of heathen rituals, you would often have mjöður, uh, meat that you would give to the gods and give to the land and, and so on and so forth. So I think alcoholic beverage was a big part of culture for a long time. Do we know then why prohibition ever succeeded in Iceland, a country where alcohol was obviously so important for centuries? It's surprising it ever took hold. It is a change in, in the 19th century, I think, that uh, people were more aware of, of alcoholic drinks not being good for you, good for mm-hmm. health. Uh, people were drinking away their money and the farms, and, and it, it had a big impact on families yeah. and, and life in general. I remember reading about children who started, um, children, I said children, but at the, moment, at the time they were adults, but they had their first communion at 14, mm. and that's when they stopped drinking, because now they were adults, so they, they thought, now we have to stop. We stop. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the lifting of the ban. And as you say, that happened in stages. Beer was last. It started in the 1920s, uh, because one of the biggest exports uh, in Iceland was the cod that we sold to Spain, salted cod. Mm. And the Spaniards simply said, if you want to sell us your cod, you have to buy our wine. So um, it, it, it was a simple economic mm. step to, to keep going, to keep be a, being able to export. We had to import as well. But beer was last. We keep coming back to this. 
beer was the last thing to have its ban lifted. There must have been a lot of pressure in the 70s and 80s from people who felt this was crazy. Yeah, it, it, there was a lot of pressure, yes, yeah. definitely. But also people thought that Icelanders would drink way too, too badly, you know, way too much and too, too hard. Uh, we had the Pilsner, that's 2.25%. Sort of light beer. It's yeah. a light beer. Mm. And it tastes like a light beer also. It doesn't taste of much. I, I remember people who studied in Denmark uh, who told that you had the, the dorms, whether you had people from all of Scandinavia and then mm. Iceland and the Faroe Isles and so on. And the Danes and the Norwegian and Swedish, they would maybe drink one beer or two beer on a weekday evening. And then they had a... a on the weekend, they would maybe drink three or four beers. While yeah. the Icelanders and the people from the Faroe Islands, they would drink tea on, on weekdays. And then a whole case of beer on uh, Friday and another one on Saturday. And often really strong beer, seven plus percent. Yes. So the, the culture of drinking was quite different uh, from what you see in many other places. Yeah. I remember being in Sweden once and we went to the equivalent of Vinbuden, the state alcohol yeah. shop. And they had many beers at 10 or 11%, which is the same strength as a wine. Yes. You see them in, in uh, for instance, Denmark, where they drink yes. a lot more beer than they do here. But that's not the daily beer, the one no. you drink no. on a daily basis. No, you, you really couldn't, could you? No, I don't <laughs> at, think so. At that strength. What happens then when the ban is lifted? Do those fears come true? Does the country lose its mind? I think for a while we did. <laughs> I don't remember the times very vividly, not because I was not, drunk, not because but because drunk. I was young. <laughs> I mean, today, for my generation, it just seems silly. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we drink with our friends and, and a beer or two isn't yes. a problem. But you can still see it, though, in, in, the, in how Icelanders drink. Because often they binge drink a lot when they drink. And uh, on a Friday or Saturday night, you will see a lot of very, very drunk young people yes. downtown. And I think also um, part of the span is that people, the drinking age in Iceland is still 20 years old. It's not 18 mm. like in, in the rest of the Nordic countries, for instance. Does that stop people from drinking? Because Iceland, again, in the 60s and 70s, perhaps, had a problem with teenage drinking, which has basically completely disappeared. The reason that has completely disappeared, I think, has a lot to do with the um, after-school work that has been done. So both there has been a lot of, of propaganda in mm -hmm. school uh, mm -hmm. that they shouldn't start drinking. And you have you know, 10, 11 years old today, they realize, well, you shouldn't drink until you're at least 25 because your brain is still developing. So just yeah. wait and it's, yeah. it's better for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but also that um, you, you have all of these... Uh, after-school activities like sports and music and scouts and so on and so forth and, yes. and people who participate in that there's a really strong uh, non-alcoholic rule mostly mm. uh, for, for kids participating there. And what's interesting too I think about beer is that the the low alcohol beers still exist in fact those are the only ones you can buy in supermarkets do you think that's maybe why they still exist because you can buy them in a shop without having to go to Vinvuden? Yes but I've seen a big change now in the last five years maybe not even a decade uh, that you can get more and more different types of non-alcoholic beers in the stores yeah. And you can see a shift in people that are starting to drink beer, not for the for the alcoholic aspect of it, but for just for the taste. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think that's a really interesting change that's happening just uh, these last few years. Do we know if the lifting of the ban 
fed into politics here in Iceland? Did political parties take a view on whether it should be lifted or not? Yes, they definitely did, and they still do. It's still being debated today in Africa. Really? Yeah, with the wine, especially and the yes, beer. Yes. Uh, the, the, not the hard alcohol, but, you know, leisure alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it should be sold in the, in the stores, uh, in the grocery stores or not. Mm-hmm. So this is something that always pops up regularly. But even with these changes being as recent as 1989, it's very hard to imagine now that any politician would get elected if they promised to ban beer again. They wouldn't get elected. (laughs) And I think also part of it is that there was a lot of ways to get around it. Pilots and and, uh, airline staff Mm. could import beer when they came from abroad. You had uh, all the the people working on ships and and the fishing industry and... and Mm. Uh, sailing, they could bring beer when they came back. So it, it became a black market, sort of. One of the relatively few places in days gone by where you could buy alcohol was in Sedisfjörde, in the east of the country, quite difficult to get to, and the route there had a bit of a special name, didn't it? Fjarðarheiðin, that you have to drive over to get to Sedisfjörde, people used to call it the Alkohol, meaning hill, so it, it was a hill, steep hill to wander when the roads weren't as as good even as they are today and distances would take a long time to cover. Yes, um, (laughs) at least much longer than today. People really wanted their drink. Yes, of course. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about, in in future episodes, some of the other bans and some of the other strange laws, I think, that were in place that were lifted at roughly the same kind of time. But as I say, we're here at the museum and just quickly describe if we can the items that we're standing in front of to take us back to the importance of beer in a country like Iceland and Iceland specifically. St Nicholas's Chalice, one of the items we're standing in front of, going back to about 1500. Yes, it's one of my my favourite items because it's actually made out of silver and the coconut shell. So the chalice itself is coconut. You would never know. It's been very well polished. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but just to imagine that uh, in Iceland in the Middle Ages, somehow a coconut uh, chalice ended up yeah. here. It just shows how much uh, traffic has been between Iceland and, and the world and, and ideas and, and everything that travels. Yes. And it's at the heart of this chalice, the rest of which is made with silver. And there is a stoneware tankard from Germany from 1577. People wanted to own beautiful things back then like they do today Mm. and fashionable things and I think that this uh, tankard would have been very fashionable with the pictures on it. It's it's great men of history, Julius Caesar and and, and Alexander the Great and more. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful it's an indeed. Item that you'd want to have, isn't and it? it's more fun to drink out of a beautiful glass or, or I, I a think can. So. I think so. Well, thank you, Helga, for taking us through the beer ban and the lifting thereof. We've got some other strange practices and laws to look at in future episodes. We'll keep them under wraps for now, but we shall return to these conversations before too long here on Roove English. I'm Darren Adam and you can get in touch by email anytime. We are english at ruv.is on email. You're listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.